Well, right before Rush Limbaugh's death, he predicted that the regime would turn on President Biden in order to oust him and install the next Democrat president. Let's take a look at what he said. Until, I'm going to tell you, folks, I think we're seeing enough information on the Bidens now to safely say that Biden will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama. If Obama gives the green light to Democrats to take Biden out, there will be ample evidence that Biden has lied about his knowledge. His family was selling his name and office with his permission. And if that's in fact the case, then there's likely unreported money that will be found. The fake news media will temporarily become hard news media if the decision is made that Biden has to step down. Until that time, they will be covering for Biden. They'll be making excuses for Biden. They'll be ignoring all the negatives. You wait and see, and then watch what happens to their ratings when that happens. And that undisclosed money is being found. It is percolating. This is code red. Trump must never, ever, 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 be back in the White House. I think we have another, see, I told you so, from Rush Limbaugh. I'm going to bring on Rush's former tech guy, Scott Schaefer, who has been uh, preserving the legacy of Rush, one of several people doing so. Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you started the uh, EIB Legacy Substack and you've been documenting several of Russia's see, I told you so's. Tell me about it. Well, we've been posting commentary that follows along and brings things that Rush said into today. So we'll take a quote that Rush had to say about um, the trans movement or about economic policies or about climate change, and we will follow up on that with new information that basically proves everything that Rush said. Wow. Uh, I want to show your post from today uh, because it's kind of a, a see, I told you so as well. Okay. So we got quote of the day. So, you, so in your subject, you, you post his actual quotes from his shows throughout the years Um Quote, we've got built-in excuses for failure when it comes to performance in the classroom. Uh, this is talking about after September 11th, it was reported, you know, the CDC is noticing a rise in uh, children with learning disabilities. Well, that's today. We've got learning disabilities in kids after the pandemic. Well, after 9-11, it was that kids have learning disabilities due to after 9-11, they were blaming PTSD from 9-11. Now we have new things to blame. So the, you know, the strategy has not changed. The same strategy that Rush picked out back in 2002. Here's his quote. There's a story in the New York papers about 87% of the churn in New York City public schools showing one or more signs of post-traumatic stress disorder following September 11th. Now, this is just so typical. 87% of New York City kids are all screwed up now, which means that we need a whole lot of psychological counseling. And now guess what we've got? We've got built-in excuses for failure when it comes to performance in the classroom. 
There it is. It says, we do not have Russia's talent on loan from God, just the words he left behind to guide us. Um, you shared with me one of one of your favorite sound bites from Rush. Yes. Um, when Rush had his TV show on the air, he did probably the most famous bit on the show, or one of the most famous bits on the show, when um, when the ribbons were first being really pushed on the left and by everybody, he brought the ribbon thing straight home and showed what it really was, which was all virtue signal all the time. I saw this clip and I thought of the black squares that everyone had to post on Instagram uh, to prove that they weren't racist after George Floyd's death. Yep. Uh, <laughs> same, same strategy to being deployed. Nothing has changed throughout history. So this is back in 93. Here it is. I, because I'm wearing these ribbons. I care more than any of you about anything. <laughs> and these ribbons say so. I want you people sitting at home and you people in the audience, look down at your lapel right now. <laughs> I want you to do this. Put the camera back on me. Do this. <laughs> when you look down, what do you see? You don't see anything because you're not wearing any ribbons. It means you're a bigot. It means you're a racist. It means you're a sexist. It means you're a homophobe. It probably means you're a white guy. It probably means you're a European. And you and you alone are responsible for all the ills of America. But I'm not because I'm wearing these ribbons. <laughs> I care more than you. I care more than you. Very quickly. I love it. Uh, nothing has changed. Uh, <laughs> so what was, uh, you know, I... Uh, when when you first emailed me, I looked up Rush's website, and sure enough, Rush had the transcript he had talked about you being his tech guy. Um, what was it like working with Rush? It was a unique experience. Um, Rush had a great feel for technology. Um, probably one of the first people you'll ever hear of that was able to print remotely. Um he used to print his cue sheets and things he wanted to be reminded of to talk about on the air. He'd do a lot of that work at home or at night or, you know, whenever he felt like it. And he would send those, he would send prints of everything to his printer right at his desk in the studio. Wait. So it's waiting for him in the morning. Um, no one was doing that before he was. And that was because that was something that I brought to his attention that he could possibly do it. But he grabbed right onto the possibility and ran with it. Uh, yeah, my take from listening to his show is that he was a tech nerd. He would always talk about his tech bloggers that he would follow. Yes. Um, and sometimes it was always fun, tough to figure out where he got some of his information from. Because some of it was different than what I was seeing. <laughs> really? Uh, he loved Apple. He yes. loved Apple. What do you think he would think of Apple right now? I think he'd love the products. I think he'd hate the politics. Right. right. Um, because that's the way it was all the way along. Yeah. Um, you know, he was one of the first with an iPhone. He jumped right in with that. And every single time there was something new, he wanted to use every bit of it. How long did you work with him? Uh, from, uh, started working for him in about 93, 94, 
and all the way up through his, his passing. Wow. So what was it like? What happened when he died? That was uh, February 2021. Um, well, his last show was on February 2nd. And after the show, he wasn't communicating very much at that, you know, at, right after the show or the day after, which was common at that time when he uh, when he was trying to push himself to come in for a show. When he did a show at that time, no one could tell. You couldn't really tell that there was anything wrong with him. He came in and he gave it his all every single time. Um, but those of us could, see, you know, we could see that it was taking a toll. It was exhausting to put forth, you know, his persona and everything else that he was doing on the air. Um, and a few times he had shown up virtually on the show with the guest host during those intervening couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, we were in touch with what he needed to have happen to different media servers in his house or things that he needed me to take care of remotely. Um, but then there reached a point where communication sort of slowed or stopped and I just had a bad feeling about it. I remember listening to his last shows as they were happening and yet they were more and more sporadic. Yes. And I was like, Oh no. And then it was like, after that show, it was like one week passes. No, no rush on the air. Two weeks, no rush. I was like, Oh no. Um, and I, yeah, you couldn't tell when you listened to him. Um, he was, um, a consummate professional. Yeah, he just seemed full of energy and life. And I'm watching these people as they have assembled on the stage for the inauguration of uh, of plugs. And this inauguration looks like what you would expect from a one-party state. This inauguration looks like the Chinese Olympics with hundreds and hundreds of flags to replace people who were not allowed to show up. But he was really struggling with his lung cancer and i think he received uh he uh, he talked about aoc uh, i don't know if his last show or second to last show and he got criticism for his criticism of her and i wondered if that way to toll on on him and his health i don't i don't think so because i don't think he paid any attention to criticisms ever <laughs> well you kind of you kind of can't when you're him because he got a lot of it yeah. No, wow. he, he always spoke his mind. He always saw, he always called things as he saw them. And mm -hmm. that's what made the show compelling. That's what made everything he said and did compelling. Right. Uh, well, I know it was absolutely devastating to millions of Americans uh, who, you know, he had become like a best friend to millions of Americans who listened to him every day. Uh, what, um, you know, how did it play out? After that, his guest host continued after that. The guest host would come in um, either virtually or come into the Florida studio. Most were virtual. Um, and they would be introducing clips and talking about the news of the day and trying to relate everything to, you know, everything that Rush had said in the past to current events. Um, but little by little, they were 
finding their own ground. Um, you know, Mark Stein was excellent. Um, uh, Derek Hunter was one of the last guest hosts that came in. And he was phenomenal. Uh, but at the end, um, Premier made the decision to transition over to the um, Clay and Buck show. Uh, Buck Sexton and Clay Travis. And they do a tag team act every day from noon to three on, on the stations that stayed with the Premier Radio Network feed. Wow. Uh, some of the stations that had Rush were in the Cumulus Network and they went with Dan Bongino. Oh. Um, and they actually departed the group earlier than the, than the official shows kept going. Now, I talked to a, a radio guy who broadcasted on Cumulus, and he he spoke of Cumulus censorship in January 2021. Mm-hmm. That was during Rush's last shows. Now, I recall Rush saying, and this is the aftermath of January 6th, on the air, Rush said, I have to be very careful about how I say this. You got to be very careful here in the words I choose. I think they know that this is something that's been arranged rather than legitimately sought and uh, and 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 won. Was Cumulus really trying to censor the words of talk radio personalities? Well, Cumulus got into a lot of beefs with a lot of their people. Um Dan Bongino, if I remember correctly, put his foot down about a lot of the things that they had to say. And I think that's what eventually led to they, you know, they folded in terms of Dan Bongino and they didn't seem to say anything or do anything in Russia's direction. But um, I think that led to uh, Dan Bongino and Fox parting company a few weeks ago. Wow. The same sort of you're, you're saying that Fox was trying to control Dan the way that Cumulus did. To, well, I, I think that Fox was trying to control everyone. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that because you know what you went through, and now and now we've seen Dan go, and now Tucker as well. Right. Well, I think it's quite astounding and underreported that you know a radio broadcasting. You know, supposedly right-wing radio broadcast company would be censoring talk radio, you know, shock jocks or the people that are, are supposed to be completely uncensored, that they want to control the words of those guys. Well, nothing that goes through a large company or a large network is completely uncensored. Right. There, there's, there's always a line that they'll that they'll draw somewhere. Yeah, that's right. So the guy who the radio guy who told me about this, hopefully he'll come on my show and tell his his story directly. But he was one of the many media people who reached out to me after I left Fox. Um, media personalities from across the country came to me and said, "Hey, I have a similar story." And here was a a radio guy on Cumulus, but he said that Cumulus set uh, sent out. Uh, some sort of orders to uh, uh, radio people basically to not encourage an insurrection in the aftermath of of January 6th. Well, I've never seen anything that any group of people's more been more afraid to talk about than the 2020 election. It's 
they're, they're more afraid to talk about the 2020 election than they are COVID vaccines. Right. Uh, it's very sketchy. It's very sketchy that we can't talk about what the heck happened in 2020. Uh, okay. So I wanted to show, uh, yeah. So Rush's, uh, official website was rushlimbaugh.com. It is now being preserved as, uh, an as archive, a beautiful archive. Yes. Uh, where you can, you can listen, uh, to his old sound bites as well as I think all of his transcripts are on there as well. Right. And then we've got um, official Rush Limbaugh.com. Radio's greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Beautiful website. Yeah, so that links to um, that. That's this is kind of it's linked from Rush Limbaugh.com, um, which I this is how much of a fan of Rush. I am actually so yeah. So my dad raised me listening to Rush, and um, so my dad was killed uh, about uh, a year before Rush died. Uh, but I remember talking to my dad when we found out Rush had cancer, and we were so shocked and saddened to hear that. And then Rush ended up outliving my own dad. But after losing my dad, then Rush Limbaugh's people sent a push out to share your stories about rush. My mom saw that she shared how rush had impacted me and my dad. And we were shocked that to that rush and his people, I don't know if it was rush directly or someone from rush, rush's camp sent us a whole care package, uh, with, uh, you know, a rush, uh, American flag and various things in a nice note, um, which was very, very special. That was, um, yeah, that was, that was before Rush died. And then that summer I had to call out Fox because of all the, all the censorship there. So, but it was really interesting. December of 2020 Rush said, we don't have a media folks because, that was when they had gone into such lockdown on what they would cover specifically yes. that 2020 election. Well, uh, they had been doing it all through COVID as well, but, right. it, but it really kicked in. I, I think that the whole experience of COVID was a trial run for a lot of different levels of control. Um, yeah. The media and everybody in every direction. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. And so Rush was basically highlighting at that point that just because, you know, because something's not covered actually is one of the biggest signs (laughs) that it could be that it's happening, you know, Um, which is what I've been trying to convey to the American people. The biggest tool of deception the media uses is omission. They act like something doesn't exist. Right. Well, you know, what was what was that line from um, The Usual Suspects? The greatest trick the devil ever played was to prove he didn't exist. Oh, there you go. So it was really I had been thinking that every day. I was so shocked because I was on the inside with my company saying, nope, we're not going to talk about this election evidence we have. Uh, Nope, we're not going to talk about these things associated with the pandemic. 
And then there, and then Rush noticed it and spelled out exactly what I was thinking of every day. I'm like, of course he did. He was very observant of the media. Always, always going, going all the way back. I mean, that, that clip you played from his TV show was from the mid nineties. Right. He had hit, hit his finger on the pulse of, uh, what was really going on. Um, okay. So I saw this, um, I saw this article about some controversy between you and the Rush Limbaugh estate. It says that they are suing you. Uh, I guess in regards to his email, which you create, you, you created his, uh, eibnet.com and eibnet.us. What's going on? Um, they are not happy with what we're doing. Um, they would like us to stop um, at least using any of the EIB-oriented symbols, um, specifically the golden microphone, and, um, and they feel that they have ownership of EIB. Um, we're trying to discuss with them because I'd love to work with them as opposed to at opposite ends. I think that what we're doing is something that rushes fans and listeners and people who appreciated what he had to say would find valuable. I think the articles that we've published have been original and positive and, you know, working along with what it is they're, they're doing just in a different direction. And it's very possible that new people will find the wit and wisdom of Rush through what we're doing more so than, you know, through the archives, because we're taking the current events and relating them. They have just put up the historical archive and they're pretty much leaving it at that. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, I love that you're you're continuing to publish the words of Rush. I think that's wonderful. I think more people should preserve his legacy. He truly is the greatest, uh, radio's greatest of all time. You, you know, the tens of millions who listen to him on the radio, uh, it's quite astounding the sway he had actually on current events and that the the media would listen to him as their show prep. It's true. He talks about that. He changed things that you don't even realize that he changed. Um, back in the late 90s, the technology of DSL was first coming into its own. And thanks to congressional interference, in order to get a DSL line put in that wasn't from one of the big phone companies, it took a lot of lucky things to happen as opposed to a common sense approach to put it in. Um, simply put, there are three separate steps that have to happen. You have to have a connection back at the central office. You have to have a connection in the street near your house, and you have to have a connection in your house. Their idea of getting that done was that these three people, probably more, because there are probably more connections, did all their work in whenever they did their work and then passed on messages. But the ISP wasn't allowed to talk to the CLEC the local phone company who wasn't allowed to talk to the end customer. So in order to get something done, it took a small miracle. Well, Rush had a DSL circuit put in in Manhattan in his apartment. Um, and of course, I was spearheading it at the time. 
and the first installation failed. And he was very frustrated. He was looking forward to it. We had DSL at the studio. He really liked the difference in speed and, and the way everything worked. He wanted it at home. When they went to put it in and it failed, um, Verizon's people had just gone on strike. And the Verizon spokesperson had said, we have one supervisor for every four employees that has gone on strike. Rush got on the air and talked about that and talked about how he would love to have one supervisor for every four people working um, and what a great arrangement that would be. And he wondered why they couldn't get anything done um, and why his DSL circuit didn't get put in. Five minutes after that, um, his producer, Kit Carson, got a phone call uh, from Verizon's PR department and Kit put them in touch with me we had his DSL installed during a strike by the next day. Wow. <laughs> so they can do it if they really wanted to. <laughs> exactly. A lot of things they can do if they really want to. You would hope so with one supervisor for every four people. Right. Imagine how educated kids would be if they had one teacher for every four kids. Right. Uh, wow. Providing they were actually teaching and not indoctrinating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why I'm an advocate of homeschooling. I don't trust, trust government teachers. Um, anyway, going back to this, um, uh, this article, uh, the lawsuit between you and yes. the Russia state. Well, I hate that there's division uh, amongst Russia's people after his death. Now the lawsuit claims this article says that the defendant, Defendants are cyber squatting with their registration of EIB legacy, uh, EIBnet.com and EIBnet.us. Well, well I'm, your, I'm, the original, I'm the original registrant of both of those domains. So you can't exactly cyber squat on something that you started. Um, so I think that's a real misnomer. But, um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it because we are actively trying to resolve it. Uh, and hopefully we resolve it amicably for everybody. Yeah, I hope that you guys can all get along and preserve Russia's legacy in a wonderful way. How's Catherine doing? Um, the last time I spoke with her was a while ago, and last time we communicated, she was doing well. Wonderful. Um, my heart goes out to her, losing her husband like that. Uh, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on my show and, you know, supporting me after I, I left Fox. That's wonderful. Now, here is your Substack, eiblegacy.substack.com, for anyone who wants daily quotes from Rush's wit and wisdom over the years, Scott Schaefer is documenting that. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. All, all the best to you. And hope it all works out between uh, Russia's estate and you. And uh, I know we all, one thing we all have in common is we love Rush. And we also want the best for the country on the whole. 100%. Yes. All right. Keep in touch, Scott. We'll talk to you later. Will do. Thank you for having right. me. Okay. Bye.